It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with the big daddy, Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, we are... Back to our series, talking about Penn State through the decades. We're in the 2010s. We're right smack in the middle of 2011 when everything hit the fan. And as we finish segment one, I gave you the heads up. Where I'm going to start here is with the media. And let me just preface this question with this statement that the media determines how big a story is. You mentioned there's been a couple other incidents that have happened where it was not nearly close to the story that it was with Penn State. And I'm not here to say that was worse than this crime. So, But tell me about the media's handling of this situation, not both locally and nationally, because they went absolutely crazy, I thought. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think it's been it's been 11 years now, and I think some of the same complaints that you would have with the media now when it comes to, let's say, politics were the same complaints you would have about the situation back then. It, it really became uh, this was this was the biggest and, and earliest huge story that really developed over Twitter, essentially. And what ended up happening was um, uh, certainly from a national level, but I think even even down on, on a local level too, is that you really couldn't just say like, hey, wait a second now, maybe Joe Paterno wasn't this, or maybe Penn State uh, wasn't, you know, maybe this wasn't as egregious as, as you thought. It was, it was the first testament to me of just the idea of groupthink or, um, you know, uh, tribalism that, that occurs on, on social media where, you know, you, it was so unpopular to not pile on. You know, piling on became the norm. And I, like, I, I understand it. I get it. But I think it was an exposure to how much like-mindedness there really is in this particular industry. And, you know, you can look at why that is or how that is or how that hasn't really changed over the course of the past decade. Now I think that the complaints about it have shifted a lot more into the political realm. But when something like this happens... It, it exposes the fact that everybody thinks about it the same way. And I, I don't know whether that's a cause or an effect, to be honest with you. And this is why, why you know, letting something play out over Twitter, over social media, where you're getting a small portion of the story at a time with an enormous reaction to it. Uh, if the same, if something similar happened tomorrow, I would expect the same thing to unfold. It's like from this point to 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 now, from 2011 to now, I don't think we've learned a whole lot, and I don't think that that environment has changed for the better. I think, if anything, it's probably changed for the worse. So I think, you know, just a, a lot of people saw this as um, a piling on event. Everybody on a national level 
piled on it. Um, you know, I, it just in, in general, I, I have less of a grievance um, with local reporting than I do national reporting. And I don't really recall outside of our building, you know, we at the Patriot News, um, you know, we're on this story first and reported the story and won a Pulitzer Prize uh, for, for the work that was done early on. But, you know, the, the way that the national media portrays really anything uh, kind of shakes its credibility again and again and again. That's my thought. And I agree, especially when you talk about the tribal mentality. And I'll leave you with one last thought. At the time... And I didn't dig this up, but there was a poll that came out at the time, and I think it speaks to what the media was like. You know, the media was, it's the Penn State scandal, it's the Paterno scandal. Those were the headlines. Not that an individual man who happened to be employed at one time by Penn State. And it was so bad that there was a national poll in the middle of all this going on where 25% of those polled thought Joe Paterno was the pedophile. And another 25% weren't sure, okay? So you had half the people polled not knowing that Joe Paterno wasn't the guy. And where do these people nationally get their information from? The media. So the headline, they mean things, and there's no repercussions for the media being misleading, and, right. you know, to, to me, that's this is not a case. I'm not defending anybody, uh, you know, Sandusky or Paterno or anybody else. I'm just saying those are pure facts that were perceived incorrectly because of how the media presented it. So the people I'm blaming here are guys like us, Dustin, people in the media. So, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I. I'll give you the so, final thought. I know we say we weren't going to relitigate this, but we, we, we sort of are, but um, yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think another part of this was the incentive system in the media, which you touched on, you know, like uh, making the connection to it being Joe Paterno was the easiest connection to, to make uh, in terms of getting people to care deeply about it and getting people to listen to this or click on that. You know, you make a strong connection be because if you just say Jerry Sandusky, Jerry Sandusky, Jerry Sandusky, the average layperson who lives in Montana or California or Oregon or, or Texas or Oklahoma, you know, th that name's not going to mean much to him. So in order to sell the sizzle, you have to put the biggest brand attached to it. And then it also reveals, you know, a lot of different fundamental flaws in our media, media ecosystem, social media ecosystem are revealed here. And like I said, I don't think it changed a whole lot since then. Um, is, you know, the incentive system is just kind of out of whack and it's, and it's still out of whack. Um, and, and you have people making these, branding these headlines to, to ratchet things up because they're incentivized to do it on a personal level and an organization level because they're trying to maximize audience at all time, which, which kind of weakens how things are portrayed and, and, and turns everything into a bit of a tabloid situation. It really does. And your comparison to current day politics is 100% accurate. Let's move on because more actually did happen in this decade, Dustin. Um, <laughs> Penn State did have to go back – well – I say now they had to go back to the football field. Back then, believe it or not, the conversation was maybe they won't 
that the death penalty was in play. There was actually a possibility. And now, you know, the NCAA, first of all, anyone who was involved in the NCAA, whatever they say right now, I just assume it's a lie, okay? Because back then, the word was coming out different. Oh, no, no, we didn't threaten that. Yes, you did, okay? You put it out there. You made Penn State scared of it. Penn State was going to sign anything that would be short of the death penalty. And so then what happened was, I believe that they tried to kill the football program, by they I mean from outside, and they weren't able to do it, okay? And maybe this is me putting a positive spin on the story, but today, having the freedom of free agency for players to move on without having to sit out a year seems commonplace. Back then, it was crazy. You didn't do that. That never happened. But guess what? As you said, Penn State was so toxic, the NCAA allowed Penn State players to leave without penalty. But not only that, they didn't have to declare for the portal. There were NCAA coaches showing up on campus to try to pull away the Penn State players. Is that not amazing, 10 years later, to think about that? Yeah, I, I, I rewatched uh, Mark Emmert's press conference where he was announcing these uh, these penalties. And that portion of it was the most jarring thing to me. You know, any player who wants to leave who's on the current roster can do so free of, of penalty and, and all that. And, the, and you're right, it's become the norm now, but that was a big, big deal. And you talk about, you know, the air of instability. It's like, okay, yeah, you're going to get script, stripped of, of scholarships for four years. You're going to pay a $60 million fine. You're going to be banned from bowls for four years. You're going to vacate wins. You're going to be on probation. You know, you're going to have to work with an academic integrity monitor you know and by the way like you know the 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 shots at like this culture and i and i get it but the shots at this culture um would be the same any football program in america right now would be guilty of 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 propping up the cash cow football program at the expense of all else but you know penn state when it came to community service and academics i mean there wasn't a whole lot wrong with with that portion of the culture the one that they they're trying to make the connection but uh, but yeah this this air of instability in addition to all that stuff was just such a cruel twist at that point in time and like they didn't have enough to to worry about the long term health the medium term health of the football program they had to worry about guys being able to to leave whenever they wanted without uh without being penalized and worry about Tim freaking Beckman setting up shop at the hub or wherever the wherever the hell he was, just ready to to pounce on on players. I mean, what a what a weird situation. I, I almost kind of forgot about uh, that part of it, but uh, just craziness. And just the fact you brought up his name, I challenge you, Dusty, or any of our listeners, to convince me that Mark Emmer is not the Antichrist. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting it out there. There's the challenge. Prove it to me. You, you know how like when you're in a college speech class and they make you take certain sides of, of a debate, I'd have an easier time making the debate, making the case that Mark Emmert is the Antichrist than battling against it. Like if, 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 well, I, if, I, if I were a freshman in college and I, ha- I had to pick one way or the other, I'd much rather build a compelling case that he is than he isn't. Well, it's, let's face it. It's a much easier case to provide. 
But during that time period, so there was so much pressure on this Penn State team, the individual players. But remember, now, Bill O'Brien was brought in before he was aware of all the sanctions that were going to hit. So he was blindsided by that. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And then as the story goes, Bill O'Brien, he, of course, wanted as many players to stay as possible. But I think the real heroes in this are Mike Maudy and Michael Zordich, who held the team together. And the great quote that came from Michael Maudy was, this program was not built by one man, and it sure as hell isn't going to get torn down by one man. Michael Maudy, Mark Emmert's the Antichrist. Michael Maudy and Mike Zordich. Legend. They're, they're Penn State legends. Le- rightfully so. These were grown men who made the decision to say, you know what, you haven't heard from us, and this is what we have to say. And they did it, and they stuck to it, and they led this revival. Legends. Definitely. And always will be. Dustin, that's it for segment number two. Quarter number three, we will get back to football. Trust me. This is Barbara Duran, Penn State alumna. It's been a great honor representing our alumni as a trustee. I am asking that you reelect me, Ted Brown, and Bill Oldsey. Independent leadership working to make sure Penn State provides a quality, affordable education that values success with honor. Re-elect trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran. Vote trustee ballot positions 238. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. In his book, Why Penn State, author Greg Woodman takes readers on a trip back in time to Happy Valley in the 1980s, a unique era of gridiron success and rapid expansion that gave our university its modern identity. Whether you're traveling down memory lane or discovering old states past for the first time, this compilation of rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews helps you explore the why behind We Are. Start your journey today. Order online at whypennstate.com.